Good evening. Merry Christmas. Oh, well, you're going to respond to everything. This is good. Let's see. How's everybody doing? Oh, wow. That was good. Good. Okay. Uh, where's Luke? Okay. So I have some breaking news real quick from the NFL. Uh, Aaron, <laughs> I haven't even told the joke yet, guys. Uh, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers has retired. Uh, he's going to go on to become a mailman because then it's actually in his contract to not have to deliver on Sundays. Okay. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I had no idea there were that many Packers fans. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I have just built a big hole for myself for the rest of this message, but that's okay. Um, it is a joy to be here tonight. Uh, as you can see, I'm not Pastor Tim Wall, which may be in some of the bulletins. Uh, originally, we had the 9-11, but the weather has affected that. And so because of that, I assume I still have the green light to go on until Christmas. So I'll go ahead and do that. <laughs> you laugh now. No, um, I want to <laughs> talk about, we, we heard a wonderful reading of the Christmas story from Aiden. And one of the things that, that I try to remind myself, and whenever I, I preach about it, remind others, when it's something like the Christmas story that we hear so often, uh, it becomes kind of just a story. Like we look at Mary and Joseph as the main characters, and Jesus as the baby who comes to save us, and yet they were people. Mary and Joseph are actual people like us, and so it's so important to remember that, because they faced uh, challenges in life. They faced troubles. Uh, they were given tremendous responsibility. And they knew what would happen around that. And so right at the time when they're planning their lives together, everything is just kind of shifted. And so as I read uh, what Mary sang in Luke 1, 46 through 56, I want you to think about the fact that this is a young girl who is dealing with so much and has just been told, you are going to be a major part of of the Christmas story going forward. You're going to, to give birth to a savior. And so here we go with Luke chapter one, verses 46 through 56. Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made the, this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. So... When you listen to this, when you read this, it shows a little bit of why Mary was chosen. It shows her faith. It shows her love. It shows her hope. It shows the fact that God was at the center of her life. He was everything to her. And so she's talking about that. But more than that, this shows her knowledge because I'm sure everybody caught, that, caught this and wrote it down. But there are 13 allusions to Old Testament in this scripture. And so she knew her scripture. She knew what was happening. God saw her. And so she knew all of this. She had all of this. She knew the importance of what the angel told her. She knew the importance of what was going to happen. She knew the prophecy. 
And this is how she responds with joy, with love, with, with rejoicing. It's, for, it's called the Magnificent, which is Latin, uh, which is magnified. Uh, and so it's talking about not just her magnified praise, but about the magnified glory of God and everything that he was doing. And we know all of that because we talk about some version of that every year. But for a second, imagine being in her position. Let's think about some of the things that are going through her mind, some of the things she's going to face, some of the things that, that, that is going to happen to her life. Not just the responsibility, which is a major responsibility. She's just been told by an angel. Uh, uh, and this is not like the precious moments angels like your grandma probably has. This is like an angel, like a major angel. Read Revelation if you don't know what an angel looks like. And so uh, she's been told by an angel you're going to give birth to the Messiah. You know that prophecy everybody's been talking about and waiting for? You are the, the, the virgin that is in that. You are going to do this. And then you and Joseph are going to raise this baby. You're going to raise the most important child in the history of time. That's a major responsibility. So think about that. But also, everything she's going to face. Everything everyone else is going to say. Because even though she knows the truth, and even though she's been told by God, hey, I am with you, and this is going to be good, and this is going to happen, and you are able to do this. Because when he calls us to do something, he doesn't go away. He stays with us. He prepares us. And she, so she knows all of that. But she also knows that not everybody's going to believe her. People are going to see a pregnant woman who's not married yet. And they're going to say some bad things. Even after Jesus is born, they're going to be like, she thinks he's special. She thinks she's special. They're going to say awful things. I know this is probably a surprise. But sometimes people gossip. And they talk behind people's backs. I know nobody here has ever heard that before. It's crazy. But it happens. And so that's going to happen to her all the time. Like somebody's going to have a, a ladies book club and not invite her. And be like, oh, well, sorry, the email must not have gone through. And all of that stuff is going to happen to her. And she knows that. She also knows that she's just seen an angel telling her that, that all of the plans she'd been making for, for being married to Joseph, uh, you know, raising a family and doing whatever she was going to do, like knitting sweaters or, or cheering the bingles on, something. Something she was going to do. Uh, something she was going to do, everything. Like they worked on their life, they talked about it. They, they figured out, like, this is what it's going to look like. This is what we're going to do. This is going to be our first year of marriage. And, and this is going to be the next. And this is what we're going to do together. All of that just got flipped upside down. And so she hears all of that. And she knows all of that. And she has no idea at this point if Joseph will even believe her. And if you know uh, from scripture, other scripture, Joseph goes through a period not necessarily of disbelieving, but he's working out a way to maybe quietly let it go. Now, he's showing respect and love and admiration and all of these uh, just qualities too, even though he hasn't heard the story yet. Now, once he hears it, we know that he, he, he gets on board and he's like, God, I can do this. I will do this. And so they work together. But all of that is just swirling around in her head. And this is how she responds. She praises. She worships. She sings. She says everything good about God. She says everything good about what he's going to do. She calls out for a savior. What an example she is setting. Because again, she is just a person. She's just a young girl whose life has been flipped upside down. And she responds with praise. Despite everything she doesn't know. Despite everything that may happen. She responds with praise. Now think about us for a second. 
Think about how we sometimes respond when we face the unknown. Think about how we sometimes respond when it's political season and there's some elections going on that maybe don't go the way we like. Think about how we respond to different news stories or or to what other people say or to whatever other people think or what else happens in the world. Sometimes we respond with fear. And that fear, that leads to worry, it leads to anger. Sometimes it even leads to hatred. That's not to say that we never worship because clearly we do. And it's not to say that we respond that way every time. But sometimes we get so caught up in this idea that we are the centerpiece of our own story that we forget that 2,000 years ago a young girl went through something we've never imagined going through. And she responded with praise. She responded with hope. And we forget that Mary was just like us. That Joseph was just like us. That they were people called by God to live in a world filled with the unknown. Filled with people being angry. Filled with hatred. Filled with with negative things. We want to know everything. And we live in an age of social media and the internet where... You can know what somebody in New Hampshire is having for breakfast on the third Tuesday of the month because they take a picture and they put it on Instagram. Or I guess this is more TikTok crowd, right? No, I'm just joking. No, on Facebook. Uh, a lot of people I lost on TikTok. You're like, what? That's fine. It's not worth checking out, believe me. But we live in an age where everything is 24-7 and everything is always on and everything is constantly reported. And we think we can know everything. We think we can find out everything. So we get involved with that. And so we're called to do something or we're faced with a challenge. It's like, well, let me wait until I know more about this. Let me wait till I know everything. Let me wait until I know what's going to happen. And because of that, we often focus on the negative on the worst case scenario, on the things that, man, if this happens, this is going to blow everything up and I'll just wait. And we focus on that and we live in that and that brings fear and worry and all of those things, like I said. Because we're waiting for the bad news and we just want to know what's going to happen and we want to know what other people are going to do and how they're going to handle it and we want to know all of this. Here's the thing, though. Like Mary, like Joseph, we all have callings from God for our life. I wish that I knew everything about my life. I wish that I knew everyone here, your callings too, so I could just list it out right now and go person by person. Although you guys probably don't wish that. But I do know for a fact we all have callings on our life. Whether it's in ministry or to be a parent or to be a teacher or or to just help someone. To do something. We're called to live for God. We're called to, to live out a praise filled life. We're called to be like Jesus. And we are never going to know everything that we want to know. A lot of people say, and I've been guilty of saying this too, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this. You're not. Because when we get to heaven, you're going to be complete. And you're going to be filled with him and you're going to see him. And all of those questions are going to go away because you're like, it doesn't matter. He matters. This matters. His life, his story matters. And so we're never going to know everything we want. But instead of waiting, I have one quote. And it is, What I know about God is far more important 
than what I don't. Let me repeat that. What I know about God is far more important than what I don't. Uh, I like to think about different things that are impossible to, to answer sometimes. And so sometimes I'll just start thinking like, man, so in the beginning, there was God. But see, we're all designed to know beginnings have beginnings and endings have endings. And it's like a story, like it's our life. Everything has that. Then what was before God? God. Well, how does that work? And so it's impossible to figure out. And so I'm never going to know that, but I do know. I do know that God is there. And Mary rejoiced in what she knew about God. She could have spent all of this time questioning, well, what if they say this? What if they do that? What if Joseph doesn't like this? What if, what if, what if, what if? And it's not that she never had doubts, and it's not that she never had questions, and it's not that she didn't struggle. But that she sees to what she knows about God. And what we know about God is that he is perfect. Absolutely perfect. We know that he is loving beyond anything we could understand. Unconditionally loving. He loves every single person here. He loved you at your worst. He loved you at your best. And he loves you in between. Everyone. Never a moment that that falters. Never. And so we know that. We know that for a fact. We know that he has our best interests in heart. Over and over again in the Bible, it says that he has plans for our future. Plans for hope. Plans for for us to just live for him. And so he has our best interests at heart. We know that he knows more than us. Even more than me. He knows more than all of us. He gives more than us. He does more than us. We know that he's omnipotent, omniscient. We know that he's always there. We know that he can make beauty from ashes. We know that he can make triumph from tragedy. We know that he can make good come from bad. I'm aware of the time. Uh, I was just talking about this before service. And so this is a Christmas-related thing related to what I just said. I was raised by my great-grandparents. And some of you know that, some of you don't. Um, I was just talking to a friend about a, a IU game that had just happened because IU is an awesome team, although not currently, but we will be. And uh, in 2011... Uh, Christian Watford, an IU player, I know everybody here knows that, obviously, uh, hit the final shot to beat Kentucky. They were the number one team. It was an awesome day. And at the time, I was in the nursing home with my great-grandmother who was dying with Alzheimer's, and she was unconscious, and I listened to that game with her. And so I have a poster of that game in my office because that was the last day she was alive. Now, I am not saying that that makes me happy. And I'm not saying that throughout my entire life I've been like, oh, I'm so glad that I can associate these two things. And, and man, to watch her die like that, it was hard. But from the moment she had me in her home, she had me in church. And so every Christmas time I think about that because that's real close to now. And I have White Castle because that's what she liked. And I do not like it, but we're stuck there. And I think about that. And I'm not going to say that I rejoice when I have a, a song like this. But I think about what she poured into my life. And even though she never saw me stand up here to preach. 
She helped build the foundation that led to me being able to do this. And so her calling for her life was in her 60s, late 60s and early 70s to raise a 13-month-old. Imagine that, guys. And that was her calling. And she accepted it. And I'm sure she didn't praise all the time. I, I know, because I know I was trouble sometimes. <laughs> and we had a, a, a switch bush out in the backyard. And so I also know that. But she did her best. And she poured love into me. And it was hard for her, I'm sure, because again, she was going into her 70s and then 80s with a kid, a young child. But she knew God. And she knew there was a lot of things she didn't know, but she knew God. And so what she knew is what she poured into me. And that's what I try to do. And that's what I'm saying here. Because there are always going to be things we don't know. There are always going to be things about God we don't know. But what we do know is perfection. He would never lead us in the wrong way. He would never call us to do something and not go with us, not help us, not love us. And we can look through the history of the Bible. And we see Moses, a murderer, leading his people out of Egypt. Forgiven. We see David, an adulterer and a murderer and a hypocrite. Turning his life around. Remembering who he lived for. Forgiven. We see Paul. Another murderer, so there's a theme. (laughs) Becoming one of the most important, influential Christian minds of any time. He wrote half the New Testament. Started so many churches. And we see these people. And they didn't know everything. But they knew God loved them. He loves us and he's here and he's with us. And this time of year, it's symbolic of an ending and a beginning. We've got the end of the year and the beginning of the year. And so a lot of people make resolutions and I want to lose 250 pounds by Tuesday or something like that. I want to buy three cars and four houses by Wednesday. I want to give Jeff $1,000 after service. Like all these different resolutions we make. But let's use it for something different this year. Let's use it to let go of that fear and that worry and all of those things that we don't know. Not to ignore it. But to let go of the hold that it has on us. To let go of the hold of the fear. And let's pick up the hope that comes with knowing God, that comes with knowing that He has our best interests at heart, that come with knowing that a life lived for Him is a life worth living. Let's pick up that hope, the good, and let's let our lives, every day of our lives, be like a Magnificat. I said this last week, I'll say it again here. As Christians... We look to Christmas and Easter on the calendar. And often it's said, that's the time that people are most willing to come to church if you invite them. Because they know that it's special. And there's some truth to that. But the real truth there is those are the times that we act most like Christians. 
that we go out into the world in the most loving way, in the most hopeful way, in the most magnified praising way. So let's do that. Let's do that every day. That's all I got. Merry Christmas. <laughs>